Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Nermon Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Daddy McTook. I'm joined as always by John the Brain Sheeran. And I have my favorite Cleveland Browns fan of all time, Mr. Owen 16 Parade himself, Chris. McNeil, how are you doing, Chris? Great. How are you guys doing? The number one Bengals podcast. Congratulations. You guys have done it, Thank right? Thank you. Number one. We did, we did claim the name before anybody we asserted, else. We asserted <laughs> well power. Yeah. Daddy, who's your second favorite Browns fan? Just curious. My second, how big is this gap? Well, actually, Garrett Bush, big fan of the show. Oh, Very yeah. Nice guy. Yeah. You know, you know, Mc, you know him, right, Chris? Garrett Bush? Garrett Bush? Yeah. No. Okay, no. so he's yeah Maybe a big a fan of. Okay, anyways, here's the thing. Speaking of Garrett, that guy, this guy Miles Garrett has right. been a nightmare for us, and I'm a little sick of seeing him. And I'm hoping that he's going to take the week off with the Browns basically having their playoff seed determined. What do you think? Can you do that for us? Yeah, yeah, I know. I was just, I was still caught up on Garrett Bush. Now I do know Garrett Bush. He's from, uh, I, I think he's from the, uh, oh, what's, he, what's he from up here? Um, one of the radio stations, but yeah. He, exactly, he, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty good. And he actually does national stuff as well. Right. You, caught, you caught me off guard because you started with the Garrett and then you went into Miles Garrett and I was still on Garrett Bush. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now I'm with you. Now I'm with you. Now I'm reset here. You know, you know I want to say something about Miles Garrett. First of all, he's phenomenal. Would you, would you say he's the best pass rusher right now? Is that fair? I, I think so. I think so. I, I think you've got a lot of competition in the AFC North. You guys have got a heck of a pass rusher who I, I yeah. think set a record for you guys, right? Right. Uh, you know, a single game, and now yeah. you're yeah, you're you're kind of looking for him to set a season record for you guys as well. Yeah, John, would I think you would say Miles is the best in the NFL? I think he's the best combination of everything that matters personally. Um, I think Micah might be like the scariest off the edge, perhaps. I think TJ Watt may make the most impact plays overall. But I think if you just built an edge rusher in a lab, he's Miles Garrett. And yeah. I think there's nothing more that you can say than that. The production is mostly there for the most part. Sometimes it may not be, but I don't think there's a better pure combination of technique size athleticism just everything all rolled into one he's the best overall guy and they have to face him twice a year so yeah all that then halloween decorations i mean fantastic mm -hmm. nobody beats him come holler halloween time well, he's second right. to no one yeah here's the thing about miles garrett after the mason rudolph incident, yeah. it kind of looked like his career wasn't going to go the way we thought and, did you and so? then did you think that way did you I think, think that was really going to summarize his whole career well, we had Avantes Perfect, who was a phenomenal football sure. player. He yeah. got a little bit of trouble early. And it wasn't just the suspensions. He was suspended, suspended like eight games every year. It was also just the, the kind of like, <laughs> that was the only way he knew how to play. He was afraid of playing. And so right. it's a big problem. But here's what I want to say. What's funny is that Miles Garrett has ascended. And when he hit Mason Rudolph in the head with that helmet, I feel like he helped Mason. The, the next time we saw him, like we're seeing him right now, he looks great. I feel like he helped Mason Rudolph elevate his game. Kind of like it reminds a reset me, button. A reset, reset button on Mason Rudolph's head type of yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, or like, do you remember that Donald Duck cartoon 
where the flower pot falls on his head sure. and then he has that beautiful voice. I feel like that's what happened to Mason Rudolph. Yeah, it took a little time. It kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah, it had to work its way out. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, and the interesting thing, Miles Garrett hasn't done anything like that since then or prior to that either. Yeah. You know, so I, uh, I don't know. You know, they never did find the audio of what Mason Rudolph may or may not have said to Miles Garrett. So I but just you are the insider. What did he say? Just tell us what he actually said. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it so probably was like inviting him to a cookout, I'm guessing. It probably the, the, was not along those lines, if I were to guess. The funniest moment of this entire NFL season was when the Browns played the Steelers and then Miles Garrett picked up a helmet and then <laughs> yes. everyone immediately yeah. looked at him. Yeah. Did you see the video of that? I mean, he picks it up and then he gives it to him. He's like, hey, I wasn't going to do anything, I swear. <laughs> I really wasn't. So, Chris, you're in a very interesting situation. The Cleveland Browns, they didn't win the AFC North or anything, but they got hot late behind Thank Joe Thank you Flatton. for noticing on that first part. I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, we were of close. Course. We were close. Yeah. Behind who? None other than Joe Flasso. Joe Flasso. And, That's right. Sorry. Is that right? Like Joe Flacco. Like Joe Flacid, Flasso, Lassie, Lasso. I thought it was, am I saying it wrong? No. Okay. You're close. Close. Flacco. Joe Flacco. Here's the thing. This guy, even when he was winning, he won the Super Bowl. People were like, okay, he got lucky. He's an average QB. He's always been an average QB. Now he's like 38, 39 years old. And he's playing with no fear. And he's using that Joe Flacco arm to really, it's a great kind of, seems like a great fit with the Browns and their stout defense and then the running game. And then you have this guy dropping these bombs to Amari Cooper. He's finally elite, right? Yeah. It took him going he's to Cleveland been. and now he's, he's really solidified himself as an elite quarterback in the league. Yeah. He, he's been amazing. He's been amazing. You know, we signed him. I don't know if you guys remember on Twitter, there were kind of that grainy photo of Joe Flacco on the plane that yeah. somebody had tweeted out. And it was like, oh, it looks like we're getting Joe Flacco. Is this legit? Yeah, it's legit. It sounds that way. And sure enough, the next thing we know is Joe Flacco is going to be our starting quarterback. And it was like, well, he should be a bridge to whatever we're going to try and do. I don't know. At that point, you know, we'd already played three quarterbacks and you're looking at your fourth. This Sunday, we're going to be playing our fifth. But as soon as Flacco started moving the offense, I'll tell you what, it captured the imagination of everybody in Cleveland. Because here's a guy who knows, you know, obviously how to run an offense, how to make it to a Super Bowl. But then at his age, to be able to um, just come in off the street, literally off the couch, and connect with guys like Amari Cooper, right? Get David Njoku going. Uh, David Njoku has always had a tremendous amount of talent. And his problem up through most of this season has been he couldn't catch the ball. He'd be open in space. He just couldn't catch it. Then all of a sudden, magically, he could start to catch. And he becomes his favorite target. And despite the fact that we just can't run the ball, we can't run the ball at all with our offensive line right now. The offensive line is so devastated. We barely, we tried it a little bit in the last game, but prior to that, we haven't really run it at all. It's just been all on Flacco, and it's been no problem up until this point, which is amazing. So we'll see what happens in the playoffs, but that's a lot of Joe Flacco just taking it upon himself and who thought that we'd be in this situation right now? You know, the beginning of January, the Cleveland Browns are looking at the playoffs. I went to that game last Thursday against the Jets, and, and that's the closest I've been to a playoff game since I was a kid. You know, I was there in 86 when Bernie Kosar beat those Jets, beat Mark Gastineau um, to, in double overtime. It was one of the famous games. And, and now here we are, 
years later playing those same Jets on a Thursday night for the right to go to the playoffs. And you've got like the whiteout going on there. You've got the fans just completely into it. I hear when fans were streaming out of the stadium, they could actually see from radar. You could see like the fans. They, they were such a raucous crowd kind of rolling along the Cleveland streets after that. Um, but p- people were completely into it. That that place was full um, 15 minutes before kickoff. You had Nick Chubb out there, who is obviously injured for the season. He was doing the guitar smash at the beginning of the game, getting everybody going. Player intros were lit. It was unbelievable. And it's just, it's just nice to have that kind of excitement back in Cleveland after being a fan for so long, for going through 0-16 going through one and 31. And now we've got a team that, that really has excited the whole community. It's, it's pretty cool. But here's, here's a question for you because it seems like the whole team rallied around Flacco and True. he is playing well, but the team was energized. I mean, everybody, you know, like you were saying, like the tight end or even Amari Cooper, like these guys are expecting a different kind of passing game with Flacco and they know he's been there. They know he's done that. And then you have, here's what, here's my question is going. What does this mean for Deshaun Watson? You have a guy, Deshaun Watson, who forget the off the field stuff for a second, but there is a question about his motivation right now, about how much he really wants it, how much he's, he's content with just a big contract. There's a question. I don't know who's asking it, but they're being, <laughs> yeah. But so, so here's the thing. What does all of this say? Because look, Flacco sure. could, he could, you know, fizzle out in playoffs. I don't think he will. Flacco has historically been better in the playoffs, not just that. And on the road. Season. Right. And on the road, which the Browns I don't not worry about him in the playoffs. But, you know, you're not going to sign a 39-year-old Flacco to a five-year deal. So, you know. Certainly not for $230 million, presumably. You're right. Especially since we no longer have $230 million to spend because we've spent it on Deshaun Watson. But the, uh, but we, as the Bengals, we went through this with Jeff Blake. They brought in a Boomer Esiason. Jeff and team- Blake. Yeah. Oh, man. There is a name I have not heard in a while. I remember Jeff Blake. He was amazing. He was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> but they but so they rallied around, you know, Boomer Esiason when he stepped in for Jeff Blake. The team looked better. And then yeah. the Bengals, it was in their head that, okay, look, we need a veteran. We need a guy. Is that – what do you think – is is what are the Browns? I know it's early, but what does this mean for Deshaun Watson's future? I, I think there's no doubt about it. Next year we're gonna go back to Deshaun Watson because of what we've invested in him. And I think the whole organization has lined up. When you put two hundred thirty million dollars into a guy, I think everything is set up for Deshaun Watson. So even if Joe Flacco goes and takes us knock on woods and please football gods don't be listening right now, takes us to a Super Bowl or beyond, uh, I still think we're going to go back to Deshaun Watson just as a pure numbers um, play for us for the Cleveland Browns. Now, as for what Joe Flacco then does, it, it's going to be interesting because he'll have an opportunity if he wants to, to start for other teams, I'm sure, in the league. Um, he may, and, and I, I'll throw this out there, just because of how he's connected to the city right now and how he said himself, how inspired he is now to play football because of the city of Cleveland, which I was frankly surprised after playing his whole career in Baltimore or most of his career in Baltimore and then going to New York um, to have such a connection with the city. Maybe he'd take a role where he's, he's sitting for a season. I would doubt it. Um, I think if I'm a Joe Flacco, I probably do the same thing that he did this year. And I go home, I spend time with my family. I avoid 
uh, going to the camps, doing any of the other stuff that you'd have to do to be a regular player and just wait for the phone to ring about halfway through the season. I don't want to play, you know, 17 games. I don't want to have to play four preseason games. I don't want to have to go through camp. So I'll just sit at home and eventually that phone's going to ring. We know we saw how many injuries there were in the NFL last year or this this season. Um, it's been un- incredible. And uh, you can bank on that continuing the the league's not going to slow down and you're going to continue to see us playing 17 games. So there's going to be a need for quarterbacks like Flacco. So that would be my play. That way he would get the best of both worlds, being able to spend time with his family as well as then maybe play some ball there down the line. Now, um, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's his thinking. Yeah. I, I, I say that more as a, as a guy who's got a family who I'd probably think about things that way. Now, Personally, I would love it if he'd come back to the Cleveland Browns and be our backup because you need to have at least two good quarterbacks. And in the Browns' case, we need five quarterbacks this season. So who knows how many we'll need next year? Yeah. Now, now, hold on. Hold on, Daddy. Hold on. Um, yeah. If Joe Flacco goes deep into this postseason, whether or not he wins right. the Super Bowl or not, and then he leaves the Browns, and then yeah. he does the same exact thing to another team, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't think, I don't think that's up for debate. Yes. Yeah. But... On, on this well, we also know that if, if that happens and he takes the Browns as far as he takes the Browns and does real well, and then he leaves us, we know he's going back to the playoffs, right? <laughs> I mean, that's Not just sure. the Browns' way of going. It's going to be a team we play next year. I wouldn't be surprised if he'd end up with a team in the division or something, just the way things work with the Cleveland Browns universe. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, Joe Flacco would definitely put to rest any of these elite questions at that point. No, but okay, but like from a we got the team perspective there because I don't think the I think we're all in agreement that it's going to be Deshaun Watson's team going forward, um, yeah. regardless of what happens. From the fans' perspective, because the fans like to involve themselves in this, they have agendas, they have whatever they need to push to other fan bases and whatnot. They're, like the whole the past two years has been justifying the Deshaun Watson contract because of how much of an albatross it is and how much controversy was surrounded by it. But it, this is also the Cleveland Browns. This is a tortured fan base that has been just dying for a moment like this, for a quarterback like this, for this moment to just arrive like this. I'm wondering, yeah. is this the ideal fan base to be like, I don't give a crap how it happens. I don't care yeah. if the $230 million quarterback is watching from the sidelines. Let's just make this happen and worry about the agendas later. Yeah, I mean, There would be a revolution. Let's be clear, Chris. There would be a revolution in Cleveland if he wins the Super Bowl or even goes to the Super Bowl. And... They put Watson in back because you tell us. I don't think the people of Cleveland were united around Watson ever. No, I mean no, it was for, he was forced divided. on them. And yeah. I look, I don't yeah. comment on that. You know, that's why Gareth Bush, he's the expert on the <laughs> Watson stuff. He knows all that stuff. I don't comment on that. I'm just talking about the football perspective, and you can't you can't help but notice he's he, Watson isn't playing with that same fire. Now it could be all of the stuff the noise is weighing on him it could be anything but he's not playing with the fire he did his first few years in the league so i don't think cleveland if flacco i would say this if he wins two playoff games i don't think they can go back to watson they gotta figure it i out. think they will though i think they will yeah, and they might, yeah. i'll tell you what but they, all, but they, look at all, all the, the mistakes they've made on deshaun watson can you imagine he goes out next yeah. year and has an appearance like he has this year yeah. the boo birds will start First oh, yeah. quarter, he he better be fight, he better be you know hot when he comes out. This, this whole year. narrative about him being rusty, I mean Joe Flacco ruined that thing because <laughs> yeah. Joe Flacco came right in off the couch and said, hey, Joe, "I'm good. You guys Flacco, have got the receivers. This offensive line isn't very good. I'll make it work. We don't really have much of a running game." 
I'll make it work. Don't worry. Yeah. Strap in. I'm good. Now, He's if fearless. Sean Watson comes back into the same situation next year and even a better situation when we get that the offensive right. line back to 100% and we get Nick Chubb back and he struggles, you imagine the booze in Cleveland at that exactly. point? Exactly. Yeah. You know, the thing about Flacco that I will say, this is my observation, it's been this way since 2012 when he had the greatest postseason run ever tied with Joe Montana. I think there's something about his mental composure that is similar to a Tom Brady. It's similar to, you know, I would say even an Eli Manning. Certain quarterbacks, they play the same no matter the situation. And that's what gives them an advantage in those very, you know, pressure situations. And, and that's what I think Flacco, like this coming off the couch, only a Joe Flacco could do that. You know, only a guy like that. Yeah, his throttle is just so low. Exactly. In, in terms of, I mean, literally in that last game, you know, the Browns are here on the precipice of clinching the playoffs, and there were shots of him, like, falling asleep on the bench. <laughs> you know, that's just incredible. Incredible. And that wasn't that he didn't care or anything. He's just that yeah. chill. I mean, Joe Cool, right? Yeah. I, it was just amazing um, for him to have that kind of a temperament with the emotions running that high in there. And that's perfect for a young team like we've got um, and perfect for a quarterback, quite honestly. You yeah. want somebody back there who's going to be the steady hand at the till. And that's exactly what you get in Joe Flacco. Yeah. You know, I have a hypothetical for John. He loves these. I, was, I, I also yeah. love hypotheticals. Here's the thing. Two for two. Joe Flacco has looked good. He's rested. He's, he's you know, revitalized. Now, the Bengals, Jake Browning had a few games where he looked good, but let's be honest, the exact opposite of Flacco. Not down the field, not, you know, it's just dumping it off. Just, it's way know. too emotional. Yes. So, John, what would the Browns and Bengals seasons look like if Flacco, if the Bengals went out and said, we need a veteran, we're going to get Flacco. And then Brownie was on the Browns, fittingly? I no, guess, I mean, the, the Browns would have gone to their sixth, seventh, eighth, whatever quarterback. Oh, if they went to P.J. Walker, they have, what, six, seven wins at most? Because he was dreadful when he was starting for them, and he yeah. was like their second quarterback of the season. Well, what would the Bengals um, look like? Yeah, he was. Uh, I don't know, man. T. Higgins, Jamar like, Chase I, with Joe Flacco. Come on. He's never had receivers like that. Let, let me speak, Puppet. Um. I think for Flacco and Stefanski's offense is actually a better fit than people just kind of realize. I think Stefanski loves those longing, developing play-action rollouts and bootlegs. I think Baker Mayfield did them pretty well, too. But it looks so natural for Flacco. I think it's just a great fit overall. I point. think Amari Cooper looks... I mean, he's just a really good receiver in general, and I think he's really uh, you know, showing his potential there. Obviously, you know, Flacco would have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins here, um, I, I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like Flacco would do fine with the Bengals, but even still, the Bengals are doing better than people expected with Jake Browning at quarterback. Yeah. So I don't know if it would be that much different. Yeah. Well, okay. So here we are, Bengals Browns once again, and you, I remember you guys are favored. You guys are favored on well, Sunday, I believe. We, well, who's playing we for the Browns? No one. No. Well, no. Well, Jeff I, I Driscoll, mean, who was on this show. Jeff, Jeff Driscoll, Driscoll was on this show. Was he really? Yeah, he was. Wow. He was. I don't remember yeah. that. He didn't really laugh. He didn't he didn't really enjoy it. But he was he was on the show. And look. Did you did you, did you have him as like an intern or a producer or was he like as a guest? Well, we uh, yeah, there was a, I had a few few boxes in the basement I needed moved and he looked that's like good. a fat guy. That's, yeah. He needed a job. So I think that's basically where we got him from. 
exactly. You know, so, we, we got Flacco off a of couch. We we're just like, that's that's going to be that's our new game plan for quarterbacks. It's just yeah. what you've been doing the last six months. Nothing. Come on over. You know, McNeil, you would be surprised to hear this, but there are a lot of Bengals fans rooting for the Browns right now. They, we welcome them yeah. all. Yeah, because I that. yeah. I mean, they, I don't know why it's a very odd. It really is like two brothers, the Bengals and the Browns. It right. really is like a brother sibling rivalry because there's something about the Browns that deep down the Bengals are like, that's kind of our origin or that's kind of, that has something to do with us. And if we're not going to be in it, we kind of, or maybe it's an Ohio thing. I don't know. What do you think, John? That's gotta be the uh, Paul Brown connection, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, we, we both kind of hate Art Modell. Because right. Art Modell moved our team, right, and moved that rivalry away. He also fired Paul Brown, and, uh, and now that gave way to the Bengals being founded, of course. But I think there was always that deep-seated organizational thing that Paul Brown instilled in the city of Cincinnati. Do still hate Art Modell, even though ironically, that's the reason you guys have a team is because of him. But uh, he also fired the great Paul Brown, and so. Uh, you kind of got that weird hate relationship there. So I think we can always unite kind of in that way. And, yeah. uh, you know, being so close, obviously, geographically in the same state and everything, the same colors, kind of, you know, you got the orange in there for both of us. And it's almost like family, right? Uh, I feel like the Steelers are like down the road. They're like that neighbor kid that you want to beat up all the time. Whereas yeah. You know, you guys are in the same house, kind of a couple of doors down. You're like a brother to us, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, for a lot of our existence, the both of us have been beaten up by some of the bullies in the neighborhood. Let's be honest. So uh, fortunately, we've been able to slug back both of us here the last few years. So I appreciate everybody there in Cincinnati that's, uh, that's rooting for the Browns right now. Um, certainly we're <laughs> behind Flacco going to do yeoman's work, but, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have good vibes this time of year. Yeah. No, 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 well, no hold oh, on, hold on, hold, hold on a uh -oh. second. Yes. Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, no. man. Wow. Um, He's if the Browns play the Ravens back. in, in the playoffs, I think yeah. every Bengals fans are rooting for the Browns hundred percent. If right. the Browns would, right. would play the Steelers, they were for the Browns. Right. There's not a single Bengals fan who's rooting for the Browns to win the Super Bowl. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just telling you right oh, now. Oh, I believe. And I wouldn't, that. Yeah, and yeah, I wouldn't yeah. expect any Browns fan to want the Bengals to win a Super Bowl before the. Before the I Bengals. mean, I'd like, welcome, I'd welcome the them on board. But when you guys are in the Super Bowl, I was not rooting for you. I was 100 percent right. Against. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of like cheating. It, it, it's like, like when I, it comes I, to I the AFC North like dynamic. Cheating on my spouse, you know. I mean, I just yeah. can't. The, I'm with the Browns here. I, I'm with the Browns. I cannot be with you at the same time. I'm sorry. I wish you well. Well, you know, and, and I might enjoy a night, you know, or whatever else if you're if you're with the Steelers or something like that. But no, 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 no. no. The long. Well, this is my long term. Chris, we were so close. If you had just supported us, it could have been all the difference. We were that it close to winning Super Bowl. But you know, I remember like last time you were on the show. You yeah. compared the Bengals and Browns playing each other to a bum fight. And well, yeah, yeah. Now both franchises are in a different place. Less of a bum fight. Less of a bum fight, but this week is going to be a bum fight. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. We are both, I mean, the Bengals are banged up and the Browns are resting their starters. So well, if you recall, it's kind of a callback to the first week. That was kind yeah. of a bum fight. We didn't think it was going to be a bum fight, but that was a bum fight. Yeah. Burrow didn't play well. Watson didn't play well. You guys, yes. you guys didn't look very good. Our defense looked good, but it was like, what are we watching here? 
So now we've got new players. And for us, I, I don't even know all the players that I think we're going to roll out there on Sunday, yeah. quite frankly. I think it's definitely going to be a bum fight. So what is your predict? Because here, here for the Bengals, John, I, I feel like a lot of Bengals fans are like, okay, we want it to look competitive, I guess. See if we can handle their pass rush. I don't know if they're going to have any of their starters in there. But but most Bengals fans are worried about the draft position because we have a lot of draft experts you know on Bengals Twitter so, I think so let, let me play. ask you let me ask you this question which matters more winning a game in the AFC North which you haven't done yet this year or your draft position I mean I would, that's that's, the, like that's the, the fundamental question right? I like the 0 and 6 AFC North thing because it'll force us to change like if, if here's the thing about Mike Brown kind of like going 0 and 16 for the Browns we exactly figured, okay, if you're exactly. that close exactly. you might as well just finish this thing off right 0 and 16, right. right it needs to be traumatic enough right the, the wound has to be deep enough where you go to the emergency room right you hit and so, rock bottom right yes you always wait that's, for the that's a more normal analogy bottom. yeah exactly Boom. but I mean you know what the Bengals it took Joe Burrow getting destroyed in the Super Bowl, you know, because of his offensive line, literally losing the game because it was his, his offensive line for the Bengals to actually pay, you know, mid-market value for offensive linemen. Yeah. It took that. You know what yeah. I mean? Th yeah. This is yeah. the way this franchise operates. So 0-6, I feel like, John, they're going to come back with some sort of plan for for stopping the run, for, you know, for whatever, for, for winning with, you know, not the, without the flashiness and more like a, a brute, you know, black and blue kind of AFC North style. The, they've See, already the key is going to be early. If you guys can just get a score early, we're, we're just going to retreat completely. That's yeah. the way I see this thing playing out. So the first couple of drives, the first quarter, whatever happens there, that's pretty much it. Snooze fest after that, game yeah. over. Let's go. So what is your official prediction, Mr. Chris McNeil? In terms of points, do we have to do we have to actually no, call a score in this game? Let's see. No. Let me think here. I, I, I just wrote an article this morning. I, I do a weekly article on the oh, Browns. Nice. And I think I said it was going to be something along the lines of like twenty one ten. And I'll stick with that. Browns twenty one ten, and he, okay. and that even seems kind of optimistic in terms of points because who knows what we're going to end up seeing. I don't know what the weather is supposed to be like. I presume it's supposed to be pretty good down there, yeah. um, but uh, I just don't know. Obviously, I don't even know anything about this quarterback. You guys know more about our starting quarterback than what I do, um, and I don't know what kind of an effort we're going to show. We're we're very defensive led, obviously. Um, and who knows who we're going to roll out there defensively. You know, yeah. Miles Garrett's been dinged up for quite some time now with that shoulder injury. Um, so I would expect that he's not going to be in there much at all. Um, he doesn't play all the plays um, as it is, and I don't see him in there a whole lot on Sunday. So you start taking out cogs like that in the defense, then the defense starts to fall apart. So maybe you guys get some scoring out of that. Um, I don't know. It's going to be a bum fight. Yeah, I agree. John, what is your official prediction? Well, first of all, they've already hit rock bottom. I think I just said that. But they went 0-5, and they lost in embarrassing fashion to the Steelers that ultimately helped them kick them out of the playoffs. No one in that building thinks that they're able to compete in the AFC North, regardless of the injuries that they incurred this year. So it, whether or not they win or lose against Cleveland, the message is the same. And honestly, even if they beat the Browns, 
I don't think anyone's going to care. I, I think, honestly, people who don't like the Bengals are going to use this game and be like, oh, okay, the Browns had Jeff Driscoll quarterback. No one cares if you beat him. You still won 0-5 in, in the games that really mattered. So I think they already hit rock bottom, which is why they're going to come into this game with nothing to lose, which is why I think the Bengals win 17-16, maybe on a game-winning field goal. But again, even if that even if that does happen, I don't think they're going to be like, oh, yeah, you, you know, that one win against the Browns and their you know, four-string <laughs> players is going to mean so much to not do anything. Okay. Well, I, yeah, well, that's what he's here for, to make the actual good To make good the, the actual good yeah. points. You're I just window say, dressing. Yes. And here's the thing. I'll give you my prediction now. So when I look at these two teams, I see the battle of the trenches. I see that the Bengals are, you know, not, they, they haven't won in a long time. And it could have to do with a little bit with, with coaching. It could have to do with depth. We have a lot of problem with defensive line. All of that is to say that regardless of whether Miles Garrett plays or not, I think the Browns will continue to own the Cincinnati Bengals. And the final score will be 17 to 13 Cincinnati. That's my prediction. Okay. So you and I are pretty close on that one. Yeah. So you're saying a one-score ball game. Yeah. Going down the stretch. That should be real exciting on Sunday. Real exciting. Yeah. So everybody, make sure you set your clocks. One o'clock on Sunday. This thing's going to be a barn burner. One score, baby. And just to clarify, when I say the Browns will continue to own the the Bengals, I mean the Brown family, obviously. They will continue <laughs> to own the Cincinnati Bengals, but they're not going to own them this game. But it doesn't really matter. I, I had prepared that line weeks ago. Well done. I thought the Bengals would yeah, actually be able to compete and the brown family to be fair is spending a little bit of more money right and i hear you guys yeah. are going to get a practice facility or you have the practice facility that's indoor now well or? no they have a giant tarp they have so yeah so at the uh at, at dick's sporting goods they had they had the massive sale and so they had the intern there. It was after they, christmas they, sales it got to be after the christmas they yeah. stitched all the the tarps that they had together yeah. and now that is our practice facility that's great. That's perfect. I mean, it was at least forty-five dollars. Is what it's I mean. retractable. That's that's what you is, said. Yeah. That's a retractable yeah. roof. Is what they got going on there. Well played. So there you go, Mister Chris McNeil. Always an honor. We definitely, if if you are available, we definitely want to get you back before the regular season one more time to do a, a AFC North preview or something like that. Is there anything you want to uh, promote? Yeah, my show. So on the yeah. Big Play Network, which is available on Bally's. Um, also on YouTube and on social media, the Big Play Cleveland Show every Monday night at 9 p.m. It's myself, it's Nick Padone, it's Gabrielle Cruz, and uh, we talk about everything in sports and everything. There you go. There you have it, Mr. Chris McNeil. What a great follow on Twitter, by the way. He is Thank the you. Wittiest, at Reflog yeah. underscore 18 as well. Hilarious. Love him. This guy is a mover and a shaker. He, he, yes, he, he got the Browns. He's the, you know, of the 0-16 parade. He is what the one who instituted the change, and so we love having him. And obviously, John DeBrain Sheeran on a 2 slash Cincinnati. Make sure to read his articles. We'll see you next time. So long, sweetie pies. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.